you continue to shower blessings upon us. Lord, we lift up Bobby as he comes and preaches, Lord, and we pray for your spirit to speak through him and speak to us this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your son and his sacrifice and his great love for us. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. Kids, it's that time. Well, if you have your Bibles open over to uh, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 will be in uh, verse 5, or if you have a version, you can follow along on there. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, as we were praying, it came to mind. Also, be praying for, um, yes, be praying as we, uh, be praying uh, for those who are traveling this weekend, you know, uh, fall break, there's a lot of people uh, out traveling, doing different things, so keep them in your prayers too. Uh, we've been going through a series called Fell Forward, and in week one, we talked about uh, where it all kind of begins. It begins with realizing that we have died to sin and have been made alive in Christ, and that's so important to realize because when we die to sin, that means that sin no longer has mastery over us, right? Like it is no longer ruling over us. And so uh, that means when we sin, when we uh, decide to do these things, we are doing these things voluntarily. You know, sinful nature is still a thing. Sinful nature is still prominent. But guess what? We don't have to let it master us. We don't have to let it rule over us. And then last week, we talked about Paul, and we talked about Paul's story, right? Like, we are dead to sin, alive in him, but that sinful nature still remains. But here's the thing. People were boasting in the flesh. They were boasting about their credentials. They were boasting about the things that made them special in their eyes, according to the flesh. And Paul says, hey, listen, if anybody has any reason to boast in these things, it's me. I have all the reasons to boast. My background, my uh, religious pedigree, all of these things. I have all the reason in the world to boast in the flesh. All the, all the background stuff that I have, my education, my learning, I have all the reasons to boast in my accomplishments in the flesh. But here's the thing, none of those things matter at all when you compare them to knowing Jesus Christ. None of those things matter. All those things that we consider success, all those things that we consider important by worldly standards, by the flesh, those things don't matter when we compare those things to knowing Jesus Christ. And Paul doesn't just stop there and say, hey, it's just great knowing Jesus Christ. No, he says, I want to know Jesus even more. I want to know him even more. I want to know him greater. I want to experience him every day. And he even says, even if it means suffering, just as he suffered... I will do that just to know him more, to know him better. And he did suffer, right? Paul suffered a lot. He went through a lot. All the apostles went through a lot. They experienced that. And then Paul says, hey, here's the thing. I haven't yet obtained my goal. I haven't reached my goal. I press on. I keep moving forward. I keep forgetting what is behind and I move forward and I press ahead so that just day by day, I try to reach my goal of being better than I was the last day, to know him more than I did the last day, to be holier than I was the last day. And we've talked about, you know, that first step is, 
you know, realizing we're no longer under sin, that second step is realizing that, hey, if we want to fail forward, we have to realize it's a process. Sanctification, being made holy, is a process. Every day we have to strive to know Him more, to know Him better. Being in His Word, spending time praying to Him, talking with Him, you know, all those things that we do to grow closer to God, we do those each and every day. And then we come to First John. And this week is kind of a hard one. Because we know that we are dead to sin, alive to Christ. We know that every day is a process. But now we come to a point where there's acknowledgments. And that's hard, especially dealing with sin. We don't want to acknowledge our shortcomings. We don't want to acknowledge those flaws. William Secker once said, Many blush to confess their faults who never blush to commit them. Never blush to commit them, but when you have to confess, when you have to come clean, it's hard. We blush to acknowledge our sins, our faults, our mistakes. But in 1 John chapter 1, John gives us some things that are some tough reminders, but they're important reminders. These are things that we have to acknowledge, that we have to think about if we want to have a better relationship with the Father. And so he gives us a couple of things in 1 John chapter 1 and verses 5 through 10 that we need to remember each and every day, that we need to think about often. And so what's the first thing? What's the first thing that he gives us to, to ponder, to think about, to reflect on? Well, those come in verses 5 through 7, and it's this. We need to walk in the light. We need to walk in the light. So what is... Uh, verse 5 and 6 say, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So John lays it out right there at the beginning. God is light. God is light. Everything about God is light. God is perfect. There is no darkness in God. There is no sin in God. He is light. He's light. And, you know, that is manifest through His Son to us, right? He is light. Therefore, His Son carries the same traits. God, or Jesus is God in the flesh. And so He is light. God is light. Psalm 27.1, it tells us, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name is John, or was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God is light. Jesus is light. There is no darkness in them. They are perfect. They are without blemish. They are without sin. God is light. So why does this matter? Why is this important? Well, it's important when you compare it next to verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. God is light, and so it would make sense for us, right? If God is light and we live in the light, there should be no walking in darkness. First Peter 2.9, it tells us, But you are a chosen person, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, it tells us you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And so if we belong to God, who is light, then we should be living in the light. But John here says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So what is he saying here? Well, John is putting to rest this idea that you can have both. That you can walk in the light and have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness at the same time. There were people who would say, guess what, I'm, I have fellowship with God and yet at the same time they're walking in darkness. They're walking in sin. They're walking in these things that they know that they should not be doing. And what happens? They're being made liars. They're not living out the truth. And this is a hard one to think about because so often there are so many people who wear the name Christian. I am a Christian. I am a believer. I have fellowship with God. And yet, at the same time, there are so many people who I would consider counterfeit Christian. Man, I believe in Jesus. I have fellowship with God. I am walking in the light. But yet it's normalizing these sins and saying, but I can also have this. Man, I want to I continue to say I have fellowship, but I also want to walk in darkness. And here's the thing. If God is light, what does light do in a dark room? It exposes everything. You turn out the lights, you can't see anything, but if you turn on the light, everything is made plain. Everything is made visible. When we're before God, everything in us that is darkness is made visible. Psalm 90 verse 8, it says, You have set our inequities before you, our secret sins, and the light of your presence. Sad truth is this, there are so many people today who are normalizing sin so that we can say, I can have both. And we know that that is not the truth. You cannot have darkness in your life. You cannot walk in sin and also say, I have fellowship with God. And you may be thinking, well, wait a second. Don't we stumble? Don't we fall? Isn't the sinful nature a thing? So what are you talking about? I think there's a difference in stumbling and falling and walking. I look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, and in Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists out all of these sins. He calls them the sins of the flesh, and there's all of these different sins. And he says that if you are living with any of these, are you living by any of these sins of the flesh? Well, then guess what? You're not going to inherit the kingdom. There's a difference between walking and stumbling. And so many today try to walk in both worlds, and you can't. You can't do that. If you call yourself Christian, if you are living in the light, then you cannot be walking in darkness at the same time. John says it in the next chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. The truth is not in that person. If you claim to walk in the light, then you cannot walk in the darkness as well. And so... Timothy Keller, he says it a, a lot more bluntly. He says, if we say, I believe in Jesus, but it doesn't affect the way we live, the answer is not that we now need to add hard work to our faith so much as that we haven't truly understood or believed in Jesus at all. 
And if we are in, if we are claiming to be in light and yet we are walking in darkness, I would say just as David brought up earlier at communion, I would check your heart. I would check your heart. Are you, are you stumbling or are you walking in sin? And so, what do we need to do then? Instead of walking in darkness, what do we need to do? Well, verse 7, it tells us. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we are in the light, then guess what? We have fellowship with Him. And some people are torn on this verse. Some people say, is He talking about fellowship with others, or is He talking about fellowship with God? And I think it's both. When we walk in the light, guess what? Our fellowship with God is going to be so much better. When we are walking in the light, our life will be better than if we're trying to walk in both. And so we need to walk in the light. We'll have stronger fellowship with others. We have stronger fellowship with God. And not only that, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all of our sin. Man, what better is that to, to come into the light, to say, you know what, I've been walking in darkness and I want to live in the light. And if I live in the light, I have fellowship with Him. I have the forgiveness of my sins by the blood of Jesus. We need to walk in the light. And... We can't claim to have fellowship with him if we're choosing to live in darkness as well. And guess what? We may stumble, we may fall, we may make mistakes. It's sinful nature that is in us. But what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Well, that's the second thing that John wants us to know. In verses 8 through 10, he tells us this. We need to confess our sins. We need to confess our sins. This is what he says in verse 8. He says, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first thing that John was kind of trying to put an end to was this idea that you can walk in the light and in darkness at the same time. Now he's kind of trying to put an end to this belief that you can be without sin. None of us are without sin. Not a single one of us in this room, not a single person throughout history has been without sin except for one. Except for one. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus is the only person who came and lived on this earth who did not sin. All the rest of us, we have sinned. We all fall short, right? And so if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Because we know according to God's word, we have all sinned. We all fall short of God. And so, if we say that we are without sin, we're lying to ourselves. And so what do we do? Well, verse 9 gives us the answer. In verse 9 it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We confess our sins. And you see, this is a thing that is a common place in Scripture, this idea of confessing our sins before God, acknowledging our mistakes, acknowledging our shortcomings, confessing to Him what it is that we've done wrong. In Leviticus 5.5, 5, it tells us, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what way they have sinned. Numbers 5, 5 through 7, it tells us, The Lord says to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Any man or woman who wrongs another in any way, and so is unfaithful to the Lord, is guilty, and must confess the sin they have committed. 
They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it, to all, give it all to the person they have wronged. And then even in Ezra, Ezra chapter 10 verse 1, Ezra confesses, while Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping, and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. And so confession is a thing that we see in Scripture that we are called to, to confess our sins before God. And here's the thing, confession is not a one-time thing. Confession is not a one-time thing. It's not, we say, okay, God, I'm sorry, and I'm good forever. But there's a lot of people who believe that. All you have to do is confess once, God forgives your sins, that's it. That's all you have to do is one time. Man, that, that's a hard thing to reconcile when you read Scripture. A lot of people say that, though. If you, if you have faith, you believe once and for all that your sins are forgiven right at the beginning and you don't ever need to confess anymore. If you do, then you lack faith. Well, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, in Matthew 6, 11, and 12, he says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's in every single time we pray. Part of that prayer is confession. Each and every day we confess. You see, there are two types of forgiveness. That I, I call it forgiveness, but here's the thing. There's judicial forgiveness, right? Like on the cross, Jesus died for our sins, blood shed for us. We have been forgiven through the cross. That payment has been paid. We have been forgiven. But there's also this idea of familia forgiveness. What does that mean? Well, the best way I think of it, when I was a kid, sometimes my parents would say, hey, Bobby, go do this. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. And you know what happened when I said, no, I don't want to? I got in trouble. I got in trouble by my mom. If my dad wasn't there and I told my mom no, not only did I hear it from my mom, when my dad got home from work, I also heard it from my dad. I got in trouble twice for what I did. But you know what? Here's the thing. Never once when I told my parents no, did I ever think for a second that I wasn't going to be forgiven by them. I never thought for a second, hey, guess what? You're going to be kicked out of the family. You're going to lose your place in the family because of what you've done. But you see, each and every time, I apologize. Even though I know, hey, they're not going to kick me out of the family. My parents love me. They're, they're not going to disown me. They're going to, they always show forgiveness. But I still had to apologize for the wrong that I had done. And so there's this idea that, yes, our sins are forgiven on the cross, but each and every day we are also to repent of our sins, confess our sins, repent of our sins that we commit. And here's the thing. If we do, it says that he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. In Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20, it says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will, again, have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our inequities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged an oath to our ancestors in days long ago. And in Romans 3.25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement 
through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. He is a God who is faithful. He is a God who is just. And if we confess our sins before him, he is faithful and just. And it says he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive us of our sins when we come before him and we lay them at his feet and ask for forgiveness. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. I love that, that phrase, purify us. Makes me think of Psalm 51. And when David is pouring out his heart before God and he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And that's what God does for us through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And here's the thing about confession. A lot of times we, we tend to avoid it. We tend to not think about confession. We're, uh, maybe we say our life is too busy to have time to sit down and pray and talk with God. Or sometimes we just don't want to acknowledge those things. But here's the thing. Confession is good for you. Confession is actually good for you. When you realize the sins that you've committed, when you have been brought before the light of God and He pulls out that darkness from you, acknowledging that, confessing that, there's healing in that. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There is something about confession, confessing your sin before God that is healing, that is, is a healer, that helps. And so we need to confess our sins. I like what Fred Nick, or Frederick Buckner once said about this. He said, To confess your sins to God is not to tell God anything God doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are the abyss between you. When you confess them, they become the bridge. And guess what? We may have been forgiven by the cross. We may be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But if we choose to not repent of our sins, to confess our sins, over time it hinders our fellowship with God. Over time it hinders our relationship with God because we have this thing in our life that we're refusing to admit, to acknowledge, to, to say is there. When we confess that, when we bring that before God, it becomes a bridge that helps us to have better fellowship with Him. And then in verse 10, he says this, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Here's the thing, if we, can, if we continue to believe that we have nothing to repent of, if we believe that we have nothing to confess, then we claim that we have not sinned. And if we claim to have not sinned, we make God a liar, because the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so here's what we need to do this morning. Number one, we need to walk in the light. Walk in the light. Don't try to hide in darkness. Don't try to have both. You can't do it. You cannot live in light and darkness at the same time. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I can have both. I can have fellowship with God, but I can choose to live a certain lifestyle. If I, can, I can choose to live the way that I've always wanted to live and do the things that I've always wanted to do. You can't. You can't do that. You can't willfully choose to say, I'm going to sin in this way and I'm going to keep doing it and also claim fellowship with God. We're walking in both worlds and we cannot do that. We have to walk in the light. And when we walk in the light, it is so much better because we have fellowship with God and we have our sins purified. And the next thing we need to do is we need to confess our sins before Him. 
acknowledge our sins, confess our sins each and every single day. It's not a one-time thing and you're done. No, each and every day, confess your sins before God. And I don't know about you, when I confess those things that have been weighing on my heart, I feel the weight of that go off. Because I know that I can lay these things at the feet of God and I know that God will take care of them. A matter of fact, in Psalm 103, 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And as they do, the first question I would ask you this morning is, are you living in the light? Are you living in the light? Are you choosing to live in fellowship with Him? Or are you choosing to say, I want to live in fellowship with Him, but I also want to continue to do these things that I know I know that God's Word is against? Because you can't. And you may be thinking, man, that is a high bar. That means we have to be perfect all the time. No, we stumble, we fall. But there's a difference between stumbling and falling and picking ourselves back up and trying to live for Him and choosing to just walk blatantly in sin. We can't make sin okay just so that we can have it both. We can't. And too many people are doing that today, trying to make sin okay so that we can have both. And so if you find yourself in that spot, maybe what you need to do this morning is lay that at God's feet, talk with Him, pray to Him, give your life to Him, walk in the light. It is so much better there. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're holding on to sins. Maybe you've had a hard week and maybe temptation has been strong on you and you have uh, fallen a few times and maybe what you need to do is you need to give these things to God. Every day we need to confess before Him and lay these things at His feet. And so maybe what you need to do this morning is just spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in prayer. So where you're sitting, uh, you can pray, you can come up here. I'd love to pray with you. Our elders would love to pray with you. Man, we have to live in the light and we have to confess our sins and so this morning if you're here and you have a decision to make i pray that you do so as we stand and we sing